We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, uh, your weekly dispatch from the dystopian reality that is Ole Miss Athletics and uh, Oxford and the wider Mississippi scene this week. It's summer, so uh, not a ton of sports to talk about. We'll maybe touch on one or two things, but we're going to be talking about some uh, some local government issues, some different things going on, like I said, around the state. Uh, the bad news is, first of all, I should say I'm Justin Sanders. I'm a host of the show. My normal co-host, John Stefanczyk. Cannot be with us. I believe he's in Germany. Um, we should have made him do it anyway. I, I guess it would probably be like one in the morning there right now. You know, if he cared about the show. No, I'm just kidding. He can, John's taking a week off, deservedly so. Do not fear. I have uh, some of my most capable former guest and uh, special co-host with me. First of all, we got Wes and Dean in the house. What's up, buddy? What up? What up? Love it. Uh, and then the second voice you're going to be hearing is uh, the unimitable, inimitable Will Bedwell of the podcast Friday Rolling. And uh, both of you also, I should say, from the uh, the nascent podcast Landshark's Light, which has never actually taken form but has been discussed. What's up, Will? Hey, good to be here. Always an honor, uh, especially to... Oh wait, let me turn off my phone. You're getting a Sorry, call. Oh, this is a Sorry. very, very important man now. You know, Bedwell's not in school anymore. He's out in the working world. That you might want to take that. That could be, you know, some sort of an important legal issue arising. No, no, it says mom. So. Oh well, Although, actually, <laughs> you, we could put her on. I mean, if you want to put her on speaker, she's always welcome. I don't know. Maybe not. I know uh, she is upset that y'all didn't follow through with the um, royal wedding. Well, I never committed to anything. I will just say. Uh, her son has a podcast, which is something that I've been saying for a while ever since this came out. I would, I would have enjoyed talking about the royal wedding with her. The times did not work out. Uh, I'm not going to take full blame on this one, um, but I probably deserve it. Uh, I could have made a lot more of an effort, so I apologize to your lovely mother. But I will I really- say, I will say again, she could have been on Friday rolling. I don't know how this is my responsibility. All right, what are you saying? Oh, uh, I was just going to make a funny joke that it's ironic John's in Germany and we're going to talk about fascism on the show tonight. <laughs> Bedwell, that's too soon, man. Oxford fascism, right? Yeah, I, too soon, yeah I mean, it seems a little extreme. We'll get into that, uh, exactly what Bedwell's talking about there. Um, Maybe I'm just upset because she tried to drag me on Twitter, but whatever. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that too. Uh, Bedwell and I both have uh, have engaged in some social media fisticuffs with uh, the mayor of Oxford. Bedwell wasn't even uh, tweeting at her or anything. Someone tweeted a screenshot of your tweets at her, which was an interesting choice. 
I do like how and he that deleted person, it later. Which he later did delete it. It made you yeah. like you had deleted something. It was just right? pretty, this is pretty funny yeah. in that regard. I do like how that person uh, is just taking screenshots of your tweets to the mayor as some sort of like a reporting or something. That's pretty cool. I'm going to uh, go ahead and take over for John inside job here. Yeah. No, you that was an inside <laughs> job. You think that he's maybe Tannehill controls that account and she kind of straw man had it send the tweets and then so she could attack it and delete them. We'll get into all that. Uh, before we do, I want to mention the one sports topic that we can come up with before the show. Uh, number 36 pick in the uh, baseball draft, Gutter Hoagland, uh, turns down millions of dollars from the Pittsburgh Pirates. We'll be playing at Ole Miss. He's the, uh, if you followed this baseball recruiting class at all, he was the guy that didn't walk anybody through like 50 innings or something like that. Uh, had just an insane uh k ratio obviously with no walks it's kind of like a an undefined number that can't exist but uh the 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 k numbers are also very high um i don't know it's pretty it's just crazy we don't have to talk about it much but it's crazy that a kid would turn down uh i i think upwards of two million dollars in signing bonus uh to go to college i mean that's really taking a, a bet on yourself you just have to hope it all works out for him uh obviously hope he stays healthy and you know, maybe he can pull a Ryan Rollison and go in the in the true first round, like in the top twenty picks. I don't know. I think that's what he's banking on. Confidence or hubris? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, the athlete. He can hit too. What'd you say? No, he, he can, can hit. hit oh, too. you're right, Wes. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, he he wants to he wants to play offense. Ole Miss, I think, definitely promised him that he could bat as part of trying to get him to actually show up for school. So. That'll be fun to watch. I mean, it's it's only good news. There was there were some other guys in the recruiting class. Uh, that I think could have an impact next year. Um, I'm not sure if we talked about it on the show or not, but Joe Gray does sign. He went in the second round, uh, probably could have played center field next year for Ole Miss. Uh, for so less that, money, I might add, as well. Yeah, so that that hurts, but at the same time, like you can't fault any kid for, for getting paid and oh. going to be a professional athlete. I 100% support that. Um, oh, yeah, just definitely. like when Jerry and Ely uh, becomes an MLB player and does not show up and Ole Miss doesn't have a running back in this class, I will not fault him. I will fault the coaches uh, for thinking it's more important to buoy the class and have a four-star committed than actually recruit a running back that could show up on campus. So whatever, that's neither here nor there. We did discuss that, I think, uh, on the last episode we did. Um, you guys got any thoughts about, I mean, obviously you said confidence or hubris, but, well, you're definitely right about that. But Oh, I mean, he's uh, so he's going to be Ole Miss's Jake Mangum playing both ways. We finally got us one. I guess so. How <laughs> or, old is Mangum or, really or a Tennessee pitch? Tech outfielder. Yeah, yeah. The question here's the question. I don't know if it was addressed on a previous podcast or not, but if I'm him, I wouldn't even put on pads this year for football in the fall. If I was Jared Ely, I wouldn't even no, like. No, absolutely mean, not. What if he What if he tears his ACL or something? That's not worth that's it. That's what at I'm all. saying. I, I just hasn't been. I don't. Maybe it's been on Twitter. I completely missed it. Yeah. Well, I think I think McCready said that in his ten thoughts or something that he doesn't think he should play football. I mean, yeah, I think it's a dumb decision, but maybe I, I, all I can think is, you know, everybody thinks they could be the next Bo Jackson. I have no idea. I, I don't know what goes through your head to risk the money you can make uh, in the next year, in Ely's case, just to play what, like high school football at Jackson Prep? Isn't that where he, where yeah, he goes to yeah. school? Like, yeah, I've been to a prep game before. I don't think, I don't think it's, it's worth it. It's, it's no uh, Allen High School in Texas or anything. No. Here's some trivia before we move on. Yeah, hit us, hit us with some trivia, trivia, please. All right, so obviously uh, in the regional loss, uh, Ryan Olenek was the first two-way player 
for Ole Miss to like to pitch mm. in a long time. Who was do y'all know who the last guy that was a two way player that pitched for Ole Miss that played both on the field and was a relief pitcher? Hmm. I, I do. Sinquez Golson. No. <laughs> no. That's not it. That's a great guess. <laughs> no that was way. a fantastic okay. guess. Um how about Errol, Errol Robinson? He was a right guard on the offensive <laughs> no. line. You have to go farther back. In the no, we're not. Bevel doesn't even know what the question is. It's not about multiple sports. It's about who played in the field and also oh, pitched bef- before yeah. Ryan Rollinson. Um, no, before uh, Olenek. That's what I meant. Sorry, sorry, Olenek. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, Rollinson should have played in the field. That would have been funny. Is um, is he currently an MLB pitcher? Uh, wasn't. I think for the for the Rockies, yeah, right. That was going to that... be my guess too. Wait, for the Rockies, uh... didn't he get drafted by the Rockies? And then who got drafted by? No, 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 no. The miscommunication right now is insane. Bedwell is asking if the person in question is currently an MLB pitcher, not Ryan. Ronald. Oh, oh, no, no. He, he was. The, he he, he couldn't ever get past the minor leagues. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Sykes Orvis. No, yeah, uh, Stephen Head. Stephen Head. Okay, okay. Uh, he he's like a volunteer coach at Ole Miss, right? He was. He's a he's a scout for the Dodgers now. Ah, okay. But no, but when when okay, so in 05 when we lost to Texas, though that mm-hmm. year when we were on fire, like that was like Head's junior year. I mean, he came in when like would come in from either first base or right field, and he would pitch like three or four innings of relief sometimes. Yeah, that's balling. Um, so maybe hopefully hopefully the Hogland kid will be good too. Um, because yeah, usually Bianco's awesome. weird. He does not let pitchers take BP usually. Stephen Head was like the rare exception that he let play both ways. Yeah, and I, I have to assume that the only reason Hoagland's like being entertained as an offensive player too was to get him to sign after being drafted yeah. 36. I mean, yeah. you do whatever you, you – you tell him whatever you have to tell him. And, I mean, hey, I hope it works out and he and he uh, he plays both ways. That would be really fun and exciting to watch. I remember the kid from Kentucky, what, three, four years ago, A.J. – you know what I'm talking about Wes? Mm, he was. A, it wasn't AJ. It wasn't AJ Finley, was it? No, he was a um, he was a starting pitcher, and he also DH'd. AJ Reed. Oh, you're, thinking, you're talking was, about the guy for Louisville, right? No, I'm talking about he the guy from in, from Kentucky. Well, there was a guy from Louisville too for Dan McDonald that came in in 2016 or 2000, yeah, 16 in the regional. I mean, not the regional. The uh, when we played it Louisville. Wasn't AJ Oxford. Reed, by the way. AJ Reed played first base. All right, sorry. Go on. Uh, it was a guy. You were at that Sunday game with me and Bedwell uh, when mm-hmm. Sean. Uh, maybe that was 2015. When the, uh, the year I'm thinking of was 2014. I'm pretty sure. Like I'm pretty sure he played when we uh, when when we beat them th- three out of three in their stadium. Uh, yeah, okay. you were talking about Brendan McKay, the Louisville guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, mix up there, but I, I I think I remember who you're talking about though. I really thought. Uh, yeah, I really thought it'd be easier to find this. Uh, I'll keep maybe at AJ. Also, State's best player in a while was Mitch Moreland, which I right. think he was still playing for the Rangers. But he did. I actually was at the Clemson State Super Regional one of Ron Polk's last good years, and I got to watch him pitch. Like he was, he was a hell of an of an athlete too. So I mean, that was, I guess mm-hmm. just food for thought. But yeah, um, yeah, Moreland is in the uh, in the All Star game, I think, this year. Oh, uh, that's that's badass. No, no, he was he, okay. I was right. It was AJ Reed. Yeah, AJ Reed. Okay. Yeah, uh, considered one of the best two-way players in college baseball. Um, he, as a pitcher, went five and three as a freshman. 
Ooh, two and eight as a sophomore, not great. But, you know, records deceiving. And 2014, the year I was talking about, remember Kentucky was good, uh, but Ole Miss swept them at home, like at, at Kentucky. And that was oh, kind of – Was that the one where they, we scored, like, in the third Yeah, game? 30, 30 runs in three days, I think. Like 20 runs against them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he went 12-2 and two that year as a pitcher and also played DH. Uh, he, he hit 336. Uh, pretty awesome. So that's who I was thinking of. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love for Hoagland to turn out to be a player like that. You know, it's kind of hard to – it's hard to ever project that. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like his offense probably is going to be an experiment. That It just the, – the stats seem to bear out him being a contributor oh, and pitcher a lot more likely than on offense yeah. in the SEC. But we'll see. It's, it's exciting nonetheless. Um, the baseball team definitely needed some uh, some positive news after the way the season ended and – Things have been a, a little bleak, I'd say, around the fandom at least. So yeah, I'll say the mayor tweeted Tennessee Tech deserved that win. <laughs> Wait, yeah, are you serious? Back to this. Yeah, I went through it back there at Twitter. Okay, <laughs> said, that's that's just one more, just one more uh, black mark on the God. What a what a crock, man! Classic Matt Luke supporter right there. So yeah, let's get into it. Well, mentioned the mayor. Hold I, on, hold on. I want John to speak on. Oh, no, you want to hear? You want to hear John? This yeah, is a. Uh, John, speak on that. Are you sleeping? So John, this is, wake joke. Up. this is a joke Bebo workshop before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I already knew that I was going to explain that John was in Germany at the beginning of the show, but you know, he thought he, he said it's still going to work. Uh, and I got to say flawlessly, that's, that was, that was really well done. Uh, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, okay. Now let's talk about the main topic of the show. Uh, what's the, what's the actual name? Of the ordinance, but well, it's like a downtown district. That's what they're calling downtown it. Downtown district ordinance, but now it's going to apply to the whole city. Yeah, which is interesting. So, um, you know, you're kind of the uh, which was my Achilles heel. That was your that Achilles I, heel that I mistook that the ordinance passed and it was just that it right. being applied. To well, the whole I think city you're, you also said that passed. she voted on it and she was kind of like the mayor doesn't vote. That was kind of a that was kind of rough. It's what the Oxford Eagle reported. Yeah, well, the Oxford Eagle, not a reliable source. I think we're yeah. learning from Mayor yeah. Tannehill. Uh, so Bebel is kind of the the folk expert on this. Um, he he sent some some tweets about it. Obviously, he's one of the great legal minds uh, around the Landsharks After Dark multiverse. I'd say probably our our number one legal expert. Uh, we can say that now, right? Or do we still have to say non legal expert? I, I mean, no, I still haven't taken the bar. I don't know. They call me an attorney at work. Uh, okay, now you're kind of just calling, no, not your, yet. calling I have your to tell everyone out, I that like. I can't give legal advice. So still okay, non-legal right, advice. Our favorite non-legal expert that's not here to there discuss anything having there to do with go. the law. Uh, but you, you had some tweets about this. You're on this story early. Can you kind of give us an overview of what the ordinance uh, – obviously the backstory, a lot of people listening might already know about this, but some might not. So why don't we just start at the beginning – uh, where did all this come from? Why is this happening now? And then let's talk about what it means and what it's really going to be. Right. Well, I guess I'll cut to part of the chase, which is my characterization of the ordinance, which is that it's a ruse to criminalize black people and students from the square. Mm-hmm. Which Robin Tannehill responded by saying, no one is being criminalized from the square, like in scare quotes. Like she took it so literally, like they were literally going to be banned. It's like, you don't understand. Whatever continue yeah yeah similar to that i also um said that it allows the cops 
mm-hmm. to decide what live music comes. And she said, the cops don't, in a quotation. And then you look in the ordinance, and the, the person that decides is the chief yeah. of police. Like, the chief of police is a cop. I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. Vernacular. They can't totally ban you, but they can fine you, like, thousands of dollars. Well, or at least also, I mean, uh, in my exchange with the mayor, she told me, first of all, to read the ordinance, which I did. Uh, there, There is a clause that, to, at least to me, I think could be construed. They could they could find grounds under this if they really wanted to. I think to cancel a concert. It says any other measures deemed necessary right. by the police. You're telling me exactly. they can't decide. Exactly. She I, mean, I don't like, want to. I don't want like country lumpkin. Like her husband's not a lawyer. So these like, like these she, are the conditions exactly it's written. There's no interpretation of the law. Conditions that Oxford police can choose to impose if they feel like a, a act, a musical act. And what Bebel is getting at with all this is that it would be used to target like rap concerts and stuff like that. Um, basically, probably re- applied in a racist way, I think, is what we're, we're thinking could be done here. Uh, they could uh, request that the venue has additional security presence or particularized requirement for security presence, whatever that means. Uh, limitations on ingress or egress so they can control like who comes and goes and how, including time limitations, uh, emergency action or evacuation plans tethered to specific contingencies for the event, uh, which, you know, it seems fine, but also basically saying, uh, if you're having a rap concert, you have to make a plan for what happens when they start shooting or some crap like that. Uh, and this is the part that I think is, is very open-ended other requirements, which in the judgment of the Oxford police chief or his or her designee, are necessary in light of specific articulable, that's a hard word, safety or health concerns for the safety of business employees, patrons, or the public. So if they decide your concert uh, poses an unsafe risk to the public, uh, they could impose other requirements, such as you can't have it here. That's my opinion on how the law mm-hmm. could be enforced. I mean, this is Oxford, Mississippi. This is not like not above some like small-town bullshit like that. So I don't think it's really a stretch. Uh, but tell me more about what this law calls on other than okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The background, I guess we should lay. Yeah, we didn't we 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 didn't address Um, that. So yeah, double decker weekend. There's a private party at the Lyric. Um, a 22 year old snuck in the back door. A 22 year old from Memphis, non student, non Oxford citizen, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure uh, everyone in Oxford loves, especially the people going for this ordinance. But he sneaks in, he's got beef with uh, somebody at this private party, starts pushing and shoving, and then he pulls out a gun, shoots around into the ceiling. Um, everyone runs out. And now, although no one was shot, um, I know one young woman uh, did require stitches. She fell on some broken glass, had a serious laceration. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, um, that, is, is, that is a huge problem in situations like this is the, the kind of crowd panic and the injuries that can result from that mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a big deal. Yeah, certainly. And so but, obviously so, that's bad. Like none of us like think that that guy should be allowed to go in lyric and shoot his gun up into the air. Like that's not what's being said. Right. Yeah. What we're saying is that the ordinance, if you read it, uh, isn't going to prevent this whatsoever mm-hmm. and just give yeah. more stupid power to the cops. It, it, and in we'll quotation. get into more of what it says, but uh, it really reads to me more as a measure to address underage drinking on the square. Mm-hmm. Which, which would kill that's what's fascinating to me. Which Sorry, would kill West. businesses as such as the levee in the corner. <laughs> the corner, yeah, just all the really shitty bars. And then that means all the underage kids are drinking at the good bars. And so it's just really there's a net it's a net negative. Uh but no, again, 
yes, cracking down on underage drinking is not in and of itself a bad thing. Uh, it's about how you go about it um, and what kind of uh, unfair burdens you're placing on these businesses to, to have to go above and beyond and basically become law enforcement officers and surveillance teams. Uh, let's get into that. I want to talk about the camera requirements uh, and all of that. Okay. That seemed yeah. that seemed pretty stringent when I was reading it. Like a lot of mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. additional equipment that these bars are going to have to oh. purchase. Yeah, and they have to. Uh, they also have a timetable. Like if a camera goes out, like they only have a certain amount of days to repair it as well. I read yeah. that. Well, which is kind of dumb. Let's, but... let's put it in context. So we were talking about this daily Mississippian. Q&A with Mayor Robin Tannehill. Right, uh, right. So you said in here she claims that the Lyric has fake security cameras? Right. Huh? So, and I guess a preface. So Oxford Police able to look at security footage inside the Lyric, security footage outside the Lyric, figured out who the perpetrator was, mm-hmm. allegedly perpetrator. He hadn't been tried yet, I don't sure. think. But anyway, he gets arrested in Memphis by his probation officer over this, extradited to Lafayette County. Uh, but Robin Tannehill does her nice um, Q&A with the Daily Mississippian. Here, and I'll pull up the uh Yeah, I just, the I'm just reading the fake cameras part right now. This is just insane. Wait, do you, you want to read it? i got to flip through Sure. She says, um, well, the whole this whole answer is about the Naughty Lyric shooting only made me realize we can't wait. It could have happened anywhere. Okay, stop right there, Robin. It could have happened anywhere. Exactly. This is not a problem with the existing security infrastructure on the square in Oxford. This is a problem with people on probation having free and open access to weapons and carrying them around and shooting okay, them and, off. And again, not to get ahead of ourselves, but she says, we have an underage drinking problem. Does this ordinance solve that? No. Okay. <laughs> is there a way to address underage drinking problems that doesn't inconvenience anyone or cause money? No. <laughs> but, okay, which one is it? Is this ordinance supposed to help underage drinking at any cost? It's a college or is it town, not? Robin. This is what you signed up for. What do you expect? I know. This is, well, I guess the biggest, like, total uh, bullshit in the interview is she says the Lyric had fake cameras. There was no clear footage to identify the yeah, suspect. Yeah, I was getting to this. And maybe they're they're saying that they depended more on the outside security city cameras to identify him. Uh huh. But the suspect, the alleged suspects, identified and caught. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, she blames the lyric for having fake cameras. Um, there like, was no evacuation plan for the lyric. OPD handled it beautifully. Just a little little. Local police bootlicking there. Um, they had a plan in place for years. I was extremely proud watching them implement the plan. Unfortunately, since Lyric had fake cameras, there was no clear footage to help identify the suspect. But like you said, there was, and he was identified, and he was arrested. Uh, and then she said... Hey, uh, hey here- Justin. What? To quote my good friend Robin Tannehill, sure. the bottom line is we have been sitting on a ticking time bomb for years. Dear God. And what it's is time that? to stop holding our breath and make some hard decisions. What does that mean? Kid, I would I love to hear her, and I wish we could have gotten her to come on the show. Uh, I would I would love to hear her tie together the ticking time bomb comment, the actual incident itself, and the underage drinking thing. Which, which of these are we addressing? Which of these is the time bomb? Is the time bomb that there are people that come to the square with guns? I don't think that's actually being addressed in the ordinance at all. There's there's no call for metal detectors, right? There's no specific anti-gun stuff in here, is there? Zero. Well, I think that would have... It's just about surveillance okay. and generally yeah. just, just keeping tabs on people. So so some of the, the um, 
most extreme, most eye-catching claims that you were talking about on Twitter uh, is about kind of a, a database of who goes to what bar. Can you talk more about that? This has to do, I'm guessing, with the ID scanners, the camera systems, and then the requirements of reporting the OPD. What's going on with all of this? Right. So the way the ordinance is written, the latest version, is that you have to keep all of your... I guess there's a time period you have to keep the footage and uh, the scanners, and then the police department can come and check them at any point in time and you have so to they have, can look guess, they can look and they, you have to they can look at whose idea you scanned and then also look at your camera footage is that what's going on right and, and and does the ordinance require that every person entering the bar has to have their id scanned yeah well it just says they have to be using the so i'm assuming every single person has to have their id scanned and see and if, if it doesn't if it doesn't say one way or the other that seems like very inartful writing there i mean like that's that's a oh, huge, it's a beautiful, vague ordinance. That's a huge question. And just here. like it's either you, you have to just have your camera so that everyone's face can be identified upon entry. And and so and so again, even if this was being done under the guise of cracking down on illegal underage drinking, which it isn't, she said herself, this isn't about underage drinking; it's about public safety. Uh, how how does that apply to the people that go to the bar that are you know forty five years old? And you swipe right. their so, ID and you so take if a you have a camera them. at the door and you know everyone that came in and you're following the ordinance, and let's assume but you don't have a camera that you have in the to middle swipe of the... every ID. Let's just yeah. assume that. Yeah, 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 that too. But you don't have a camera in the middle of the dance floor, which isn't part of the ordinance. And then someone shoots Not a yet. gun in the middle of the dance floor, and you don't have footage of the person that shot it. Somehow the police are going to rely on the database to try and suss it out. They're, so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna round up everybody that was at the bar that day, uh, and take their pictures and then go question all of them. It's it's just complete like over the top surveillance for surveillance's sake. I think it's insane to think that it would be narrowly tailored for public safety. Like if this database of who was in what bar at what time exists, the Oxford Police is gonna use it for everything. Any like any time they they want to find out where somebody is, track somebody down. You know, I'm just saying this is going to reach far beyond uh, someone shot a gun on the square or someone had a fight on the square and now they're going to get arrested. This is going to be invaluable uh, for investigating all kinds of stuff. Um, And and I mean, I'm not someone that takes like moral stances, especially not about like libertarian dumb shit like this. But still, is it it seems a little fundamentally un-American not to me. It doesn't seem narrowly tailored to fit any objective no and that's that's a requirement uh, or it should be a requirement for like a good law that's supposed to be helping the public uh is to actually address a problem rather than just cast a extremely wide net say let's record everything that goes on uh in this it, i mean it started out just being the square but now it's been expanded to the entire city right so basically in all these private businesses uh you're now required to keep tabs on who's coming and going I mean, I think it could definitely have a chilling effect on business. I don't think people want to go places where they know that they're they're being watched and all of that. But at the same time, I just think it's a it's a ridiculous burden to place both on the establishments and on the people that want to go there and do whatever they want to do. I mean, this is America, right? If you break the law, you should get in trouble for that. That's how it's supposed to work. It's not supposed to be preemptive, uh, you know, that even if you're not breaking the law, we're going to keep tabs on you in case you decide to break the law later. Like, that's that's so stupid. And I think the reason this is happening at all is because the mayor of Oxford is completely 
uh, detached from the student body of Ole Miss. Um, the, her electorate has nothing to do with uh, really anyone at Ole Miss. I'm sure there are some professors and faculty and administrators that are in support of stuff like this, um, but even the, the professors that probably find it distasteful um, don't make up any any significant voting block in Oxford, to my knowledge, and so I don't think she really cares. Um, well, it's, it's fun if you want to. So, like, on Twitter, you search someone, you do, like, at their username, and then you right. can put in any search term you want. Mm-hmm. Go do students. There's only like 10 or 12 tweets, and it's like as many of them are about high school students as Ole Miss students. Sure. Is her, is her, her at just her name? Career on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Which, it. hey, me too. So it's tough out here. Well, nothing People wrong with it us. being your name. I'm just trying to type it in the search bar. Uh, <laughs> right. Another thing uh, we should say about, uh, about the way that Mary conducts herself on Twitter uh, when people tweet criticism at you, Mary Tannehill, it's it's generally uh, rude. Uh, she deleted. Well, no. Well, yes, the guy that deleted Bevel's tweets, dude. It's rude for you to quote tweet <laughs> the person and respond and get your 4,000 followers or whatever all riled up and in the mentions defending you, 3,179. Uh, that, that's, that's just a total... Um, well, it was just it was just Dicky Scruggs talking about security yeah, Scruggs and hopping in the mission to support <laughs> you or whatever. Like, give me a break. The moral man. high like, ground. If here. you if you really believe in what you're saying, just respond to the person and don't bring your three thousand followers into it and defend whatever stupid policy you think is worth defending. It's just oh, it's such a weak move to instead of actually having a conversation with someone to just keep quoting their tweets uh, and adding on your little like uh, this would be obvious if you weren't a millennial or whatever, whatever your tone is supposed to imply. There was one later, I forget. It was like, people need to come and talk at meetings, not tweet about things. And it's like, well, obviously you're reading it either way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also like, I don't live in Oxford. I don't vote in Oxford. I I'm, I'm, I will happily criticize your dumb municipal policies though, because you're a public figure. And this is a, this is a college town that a lot of us have a connection to, even though we don't live there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Can we talk about the. So I like the. I know we Ooh, mentioned. Wow. The Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Bevel, oh, what you when got? you search students, did you see this tweet from July thirtieth, twenty sixteen? The picture of all the trash. Yes. Students so, move out. Student day. move out time in I'm Oxford. <laughs> Thanks, at Lyles, Amberlin, and crew for keeping Oxford beautiful. Hashtag entitlement stinks. So so. <laughs> okay. First of all. First of all. In the picture, like half the trash is like Pampers boxes and stuff. I don't necessarily think these were students that made all this (laughs) trash. It's probably just residents of your city. Just that hashtag (laughs) entitlement sinks. It really gives you a a window into the thought process and how much he appreciates the students. It was still Pat Patterson City then, but fair. I think I think your point stands. It's 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 a general distaste from the city of Oxford towards the student body of Ole Miss that informs all of these things. And that's I told you I was talking to my friend that he was in school during the middle and late sixties. He was there for a hot minute, uh, getting through undergrad. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um and he's got a lot of interesting stories. He's actually down the hall from uh James Meredith even, but he talks about how much everyone in the city hated the students. Of course. And I don't know why that is a running like it's just the most asinine thing when the city just wholly depends on Everything is all about the student body. Of course. I mean, the economic ascendancy of Oxford. 
Yes, every, every, yes, yeah. exactly. It's just ridiculous to act like uh, you're doing the students a favor by letting them live in Oxford, which is basically the attitude that all these boomer types and uh, Gen Xers uh, that are running Oxford right now have towards the student body. Um, and a lot of them went to school at Ole Miss too, and now they're like, well, you know, I'm older and wiser, and so I know that actually the students are bad now. It's like, no, it's just a bunch of college <laughs> students. They bring a shitload of their parents' money to your businesses. They bring their parents from Georgia and Texas and all that for football weekends. And they stay in your hotels and they rent your houses and they patronize your restaurants and they go to your liquor stores and all of that. Uh, you were in the same boat years ago. Exactly. Uh, Gen Xers and baby boomers. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, as much as some things change, sometimes they stay the same in some and, 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 and also, by the way, the Gen Xers did way stupider shit in Oxford than the, even the kids now are doing, much less the kids when we were there. Like, I assume you guys know about the Two Live Crew concert. Oh, yes. Yeah. A, a famous uh, mm, incident, I guess you can say, in Oxford. I mean, I, I guarantee of, you... Of classic police overreach. Yes. Well, and what, what upsets me, so you look at... Um, I don't know if you read... So Jim Dees did a have, great write-up of I haven't that. read the His book. I do want to buy the book. I highly recommend Statute in the Fury. I want to say, I want to buy it for yeah. my boss, who was at the Two Live Crew concert. Oh, yeah. dude, get him a signed copy. I know, yeah. I need to, I need to. All right, sorry, continue your point. Yeah, so... Well, and of course, maybe I just haven't seen it, but I have not noticed people like Jim Dees, um, you know, the the liberal elite that grew up or the liberal um, or what would you say, the the bohemian class yeah. in Oxford, people I can think of specifically, I'm not going to go down the list of names and everything, but I don't see, and they're all older now, I don't well, see I any of know. them speaking up against any of this going on. Why. But if it had been 30 years ago, they would have. Of course. Yeah. No, I was going to say, we know why. It's because Ryan Parsons cyberbullied Wright Thompson off of Twitter by continually posting pictures of his dog pooping in Wright's yard. Pooping in his yard. And now, and now <laughs> Wright's not on Twitter anymore. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think Wright Thompson quit Twitter for all variety of cyberbullying from all kinds of people, but Parsons would do that. Uh, yeah, you've never seen those pictures of us? Yeah, he no. used to just tweet at Wright Thompson just a picture of his dog pooping in Wright Thompson's yard. A little yard. Yeah, um, so, so I mean, I, I think we only have ourselves to blame for uh, for the influential Oxford liberal voices not weighing in here. Um, I'm pretty sure it was that stupid fedora that Wright Thompson always wore, too. That, that was probably a contributing. Hey, I almost, I almost won a uh, hot sauce contest during the last time America was in the World Cup. I remember that, yeah. I was a finalist for a little while, I guess, according to his Twitter. For a, I think I had to write a, I wrote a poem or something. Because he was, it, but. he was like uh, eating hot sauces in Mexico or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, South America. I think he was just all over South, South America. America. I remember this. It was, yeah, when vaguely. it was in Brazil. Yeah. Oh right, right. It was in Brazil. I was trying to remember where the last World Cup was, of course. Um, I always had this uh, theory that Wright Thompson was the one orchestrating the Mizzou chaos, like as an inside job. <laughs> hey, that more power to him. That'd be yeah, great. Speak, right. speak on that, John. We need John's opinion on this. One. <laughs> I, I, yeah, John. Hey, John, speak up. We can't hear you. John from Germany. Such a mean, <laughs> such a mean joke, guys. John. Oh wait, oh wait. In Germany, they film your face every time you walk into a bar and won't let you call into your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my gosh, I would, I would be interested to know like how common laws like this is, laws like this are in other places. I have no idea. 
I mean, it seems like a pretty big overreach. Um, I saw some, at least a little national pickup that's like this town trying to address underage drinking radical solution. But it's not about underage drinking, I heard from Mayor Tannehill. This is about public safety. I don't know what it's about, but apparently it's been in. This is what kills me about Oxford, and, and maybe we'll get into the housing stuff in a little bit that really hurts me about a town that claims to be so progressive just running out poor and impoverished of its community yeah i want to talk about housing but one last well just before we get off of this surveillance law you've but already... i was gonna say so so yeah. she said that the chief of police uh-huh. and they i guess the city has been talking about this for years now great this idea this ordinance these problems but all of a sudden it's not in the public sphere and for the constituents to talk about except for a month ago yeah, I encourage anybody listening to this to read this Q&A with the DM. It's not very long. It's it's maybe 700 words max. Uh, it just seems like weird coded language. No, I don't... it's truly it's truly insane. Like it not only is it contradictory, but like like Will just said, there are a ton of uh, basically digs she slips in here. And I know you already talked about this passage, but I want to read it in its entirety because she contradicts herself several times here, and it's just like it's it's it kind of makes your head spin a little bit. So uh, the, the question from the Daily Mississippian, like I said, Google Robin Tannehill, Daily Mississippian. It'll be the first result. It's called the Downtown District Q&A or whatever like that. Uh, Daily Mississippian says, if passed, what impact do you hope the ordinance would have on students, business owners, or tourists? Uh, it's a fairly straightforward question, um, one that if you're rallying hard for a law that's going to help, you know, it should be easy to answer, right? So here's, here's her very obfuscative answer that includes a, uh, a dig at the students. As city leaders, it is, in my opinion, our duty to provide a level of quality of life and safety to our citizens, our students who are here for four years. Just throw that right, in there. Not citizens. Just throw not that in citizens. there. First of all, you should know with uh, this huge segment of uh, you know the your economy being the students that a lot of old Miss students are there for more than four years. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, just kind of something obvious that if you if you ever thought at all about the students or the economic impact, you would realize. Um, and our visitors. That requires a partnership with venues serving alcohol. We have an underage drinking problem. Does this ordinance solve that? No. Is there a way to address safety underage drinking problems? Doesn't inconvenience anyone or cost money? No. So should we just throw our hands up and hope for the best? I still say no. So wait, what is what? What did you just say? <laughs> you just said we have an underage drinking problem. Yes. Does this ordinance address that? No. What um, impact should would we you stop hope the trying to would address have. it? Also, I no. Know. I w- w- and the, yeah, the whole question was, what <laughs> impact would this ordinance have? And all you said was that it isn't about underage drinking, but we should keep trying to address that. I, this is just, I, I mean, like, I, it, honestly, this is really not that big of a deal. At the end of the day, it's just mostly pod fodder for us. Also, Bevel and I have to defend our honor, having um, gone back and forth with the mayor a little bit on Twitter. But, gotcha. but still, if I lived in Oxford, I would just be reading this and just saying, like, what, what, what is this, what is our mayor talking about? Like, why, why can't she just be, like, straightforward with these things? It's so, like, infusicative. It's just very, very interesting. Mayor Tannehill, if you're listening, uh, I don't really want to have you on the show, but <laughs> for I will. I will. If you want to come on and defend yourself, we can do that. I have an idea. I have an idea. Okay. Okay. Bedwell. Just uh-huh. you. I want you guys to take a picture of me taking a crap in Mayor Tannehill's yard. And I want you to tweet it at. Me. Okay, hold on. 
Hold on. It's a very funny joke, but after reading <laughs> but, uh, all of this and uh, the OPD's newly expanded powers, I 100% believe you will be like thrown in the gulag if you do that. Like, they're going to keep you <laughs> yeah, the Oxford gulag never in some here. cell in the OPD They just got a new uh, headquarters, man. Watch oh, out. God. Yeah, I didn't even they're know. They're getting a new one. Yeah. They're going to put Dude, you I... on like a city webcam that's like uh, students who have sinned, and they're just like, this is what we do to the nasty, they follow rude us all students. Day. Tannehill, Tannehill sounds just like one of my old bosses that was just a micromanager like she is going to try to do everything to put her to put any and everyone that she can under her thumb yeah yeah like just like creating like stupid like i don't know if that's her personality i don't know if that's really what she's all about but this law is extremely broad uh it obviously targets students and anyone that likes to go out to bars uh and also music venues of course their entire sections about the music venue she takes uh, just pot shots of the lyric in this article over and over talking about their fake cameras and their unsafe uh, procedures and all that stuff. Um, I, regardless of what she's really thinking, I just this seems like 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 what's that? It's kind of a power grab. It's kind of like a uh, don't mess with us. Oxford is about security and OPD and not about Ole Miss and being this fun town that attracts outsiders and all of that. You know, it's just kind of like trying to claw back some of that reputation and it reminds me of pat patterson and she was she kind of ran as the the anti-pat patterson right one of the first things she did and it's another reason why this is so stupefying was to uh you know make the bars open on sundays and extend the hours and all of that stuff stuff that pat patterson had long fought against um, well that's gonna fix our underage drinking problem if the bars are open <laughs> yeah, that's what i'm awesome. saying though hey hey this this ordinance might not stop Wesson from pooping in the mayor's yard. Will it stop it? No. But can we throw our hands up and just let Wes poop in our yard? I still say yes. no. I still yes. say no is what she says. Uh, yes. So, man. Will, do you remember, didn't we go to the public hearing together about the cold beer thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Pat Patterson, Pat Patterson's argument against Sunday alcohol sales from the bars uh, was that that would be like Bourbon Street. it's just ridiculous and then mary and then Tannehill comes in and she's younger patterson's definitely a boomer Tannehill is more like a gen x type uh you know she has kids in oxford middle school or high school or whatever i really have no idea but i know she has kids she relates to the parent crowd uh and i think she kind of runs as like yeah it's important to be safety and, and sensible and all that stuff but also you know this is oxford it's a college town you know, the students are important, all of that. And what, she's been in office for two years, and she's going the complete opposite direction. Um, and Here, Here's I, the thing with Patterson, though. Here's the thing with Patterson. Don't mean to interrupt you. No, no, go on. Patterson, Patterson owned a lot of the ice distributors around Oxford. So that's I think you've got to throw in your so allegedly. Funny. I'm not that's saying so anything funny. tonight. I'm going to say allegedly. Okay, well, I'm pretty sure it's his fact, but allegedly he owned a lot. He had a, he had his hand in a lot of the – That's pretty funny. Um, Ice, ice distributors, so he would get a lot more money if you couldn't sell cold beer because more people would have to buy ice to cool the beer. I mean, and also things I know, that make I you say. I know he has his hand. He had his hand in some of the before Uber and Lyft came to Oxford. He had his hand in a lot of the taxi companies. Right. Downtown. Yeah, I did know that. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, and so they pretty much would sit around and decide prices for how much they would charge for a ride, you know, every weekend, which is nah. But yeah, I, I think mean, now it's it's illegal for cities to ban ride sharing, right, in Mississippi. But they def, Oxford definitely tried that when it first went through to protect the taxi owners. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Because Pat Patterson was one of them. Or exactly. I have to say Fat Patterson. Fat Patterson. What's an F? <laughs> I don't know if you're helping. Patterson. I don't know if you're helping protect F. us from, uh, from lawsuits. Yeah. Just also be insulting. This is, this is Wes's. Okay. Yeah, this is uh. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, all of that was yeah. alleged and probably a yeah. work of fiction from our dear friend uh, Wes. I would have to say, uh, but if it's not, isn't that isn't that interesting, audience? And and isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Very, very mm. interesting, thought provoking topics here. Dude, um, he came and talked at the hall one time. Pat, Pat, Fat, I'm Pat, uh, Pat Patterson. <laughs> oh he came. God. He came for a lecture series to the hall uh-huh. a few years ago. How was and, that? And uh, I asked him. I was like, well, "Why can't we have?" This was right after. I don't even know if you guys remember when the Fat Elk died in his sleep in like 2012, 2013. Uh huh. Okay. But that's well, very sad. Uh, condolences to him. Yeah, and his but I asked him. I raised his hand. I was like, "Look, I'm a night owl. Like, why can't we have the bars open year round to at least like one or two? You wait. You said I you're a night owl. That was your reason for having the bar open. Well, yeah, I don't want to go. Home. I said I don't have anything to do at home. I think, I yeah, like when a night owl means like you stay up reading or something. Like you're cleaning yeah. the house. Like you're, well, you're, I have to stay up at the bar. Yeah, that's just being a drunk. Well, well, <laughs> All right, continue. Okay, what did you? Well, what did? What did Pat Patterson say to that? He just looked at me and said, "You know," and I asked him. He's like, "Why don't you ask the parents of that dead Fidel?" Oh my god! And I was like, "Are you are, are you freaking kidding me?" Okay, like, so that's what's so insane oh. about Oxford, and, and this and, and this is probably going to have the same effect if you make the bars more onerous for people that are underage. When you don't let underage people drink somewhere like a bar that has security and has bartenders controlling the amount of alcohol you can have and has police officers right outside and taxis and all of that, they end up drinking at some fraternity house or some off-campus party where there's absolutely no regulation, there's no control on the volume that they can drink, there's you know a cooler with 500 jello shots in it and uh, a different cooler with, with 300 keystones in it. Uh, you're sounding like a, you're talking about a derby party that might or might not have happened. Yeah, probably Allegedly. these are probably exact numbers from an actual party that happened. But like my whole point yeah. is, you can't tell me that that's safer than having them in the controlled setting of the square where you have all of these safety checks already in place even before you pass all these crazy things. So I I, I always thought that the restrictive bar hours, you know, obvious the obvious result was late night parties, which was were uh, a staple of the auction nightlife scene, probably still are. Um, and all due respect to that individual, I mean, I'm not going to use his death as any sort of a talking point. That's disgusting that uh, the mayor would do that, allegedly. My friend Wes told me this happened. Um, but I will say that I really doubt he got that way at a bar, went home, passed out, and that happened. You know, I, see, I strongly believe there was some sort of a late-night activity probably occurring, if it even had anything to do with alcohol. Um, he, had been, he had been day drinking, apparently. Yeah, and again, so that that has nothing to do with so, when the bars close exactly, or security exactly. at the bars or anything. You can't My just point. conflate tragic things uh, with the policy outcome that you want. That's just ridiculous. My point exactly. I could yeah. have said it better. Well, you said it very well. Thank you, Wes. Um, so, yeah, that's there's a lot of food for thought there. Um, really, at the end of the day, these laws aren't going to make things safer. Uh, in my opinion, they are going to make it more expensive for businesses to operate in Oxford. They are going to give Oxford police more power, uh, more ability to keep tabs on whatever they want and uh, you know, even intimidate places like the Lyric, uh, maybe tell them they shouldn't book certain acts, stuff like that. It's just a whole lot of uh, onerous policies both for customers and businesses in Oxford. So great idea, um, really smart. Good job, Mayor Tannehill. Uh, well, I know you want to talk about 
some other stuff in Oxford, right? How do we transition into this? You almost brought it up earlier. Okay, well, there's a f- another one of our funny tweets that alludes to it. I can transition on that. Yeah, please. So before um, her administration under Pat Patterson, or as West gives him another name. Um, Fat Patterson. <laughs> okay. Okay, um, damn it. The, yeah, so uh, his last year, the city council, the board of aldermen, whatever, they decide to close the low-income housing complex that the city owns outright. Mm-hmm. Um, which, what what, what uh, reason do they give for that? Why are they closing it? Right. Well, okay, so first off, um, their contract, so you do these contracts with HUD, you run it for 15, 30 years, yeah. your contract ends, you have the option to renew or not. So legally, I mean, you, you don't have to have a justification to decide not to. Now, under legally, um, but politically, Obama had Obama did promulgate a rule called affirmatively forwarding fair housing, and it probably would have this decision probably would have run afoul of that, but um, that decision has been stayed indefinitely hmm. by the current administration. Shocking, right? Yeah. But anyway, so they you know say that uh, the um, the complex is just run down, you know, it's it's an old building, which, of course, they don't, they haven't taken care of it at all. Um, served plenty of public records requests on the city about that. Um, and they can't even, even serve them request on when did you decide to close it. Again, they, they can't describe one meeting when they all decided on this. No, because I'm sure for years they were saying, idea. as soon as we can't close it, we're going to close it because we're it's gonna, an eyesore, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And where where well, was so this? Like, is, is something else been right. built there now? Uh, no, no, no. It's just vacant. Um, under the new Oxford kind of next zoning that they're trying to pass, I think it's going to become suburban, like multi-use, as opposed to high-density zoning. Mm-hmm. So they'll get rid of it and probably sell it for millions of dollars to a developer to put in some suburban homes. I would assume, yeah. Right. But so they said, um, in the best, so Janice Antonow, that's one of the board of aldermen, I think, still, who continually told us, hey, I'm a liberal, I'm a Democrat. Um, <laughs> she said, you know, this is a model across the nation to stop building Section 8 housing and give out housing choice vouchers. Oh God! Yeah. Which is vouchers you know, always you know, it are pays, fair, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna pay your rent, and um, you know, you can use it anywhere, but landlords don't have to take it. It's at their discretion. Jesus Christ! Um, so like there's some, over some redlining uh, shit going on in right. 2018, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, and there's over a hundred uh, families, a hundred units. Occupied. Say again, what year this closed, so we can get the timeline right. Right, so 2017. Okay, all right, making sure. Early 2017, yeah. Um, and, of course, they surprise all these people and say, hey, in you know, four months, guess what? We're closing. You're going to get vouchers. Go find a place to live. Um, Jesus. And Okay, so long story short, and, of course, I'll tie our current mayor into it in a second. But long story short, you can pull what's called a cart report. Uh, that HUD does, which is a community reporting tool. Mm. Um, and you can see where these vouchers are used. So we look at at least 100 of them are given out. Um, in all of Lafayette County, there's less than 30. In Oxford City Limits, I think there's... And you have to break... The, I had to do this. You break it down from... You can only get the cart report on a county level, but you can still get uh, census block data. So you got to look at which census blocks are in the city. Yeah, and you find out like maybe 20... 
of these people have gotten to remain in the city. Jesus. And that's and, and I've been to countless uh multiple meetings with the city that we went to, um, which we when we left, you know, they were all angry and slammed the door in our face every time we left. But uh they said, you know, we're we're giving these people a better opportunity. They can use this in Oxford. And we're telling them, no, these people are gonna get squeezed out of the community, rent's too high, landlords don't want to take these, and the ones that even do, the fraction they get to stay here because of how quickly rent is rising, it's not going to last. They're yeah, because the vouchers aren't going to go up with, with inflation no, or anything. No, yeah. not at all. They're set at the Especially time you were kicked the prices out. in Oxford. So, so effectively, they were able to get rid of uh, another bucket of low-income people from within the Oxford city limits. Oh, yeah. yeah, and which had a nice – so it's right behind Kroger is where this is. So you're talking yeah. about – Able to walk to a grocery store, walk to schools, walk to the square. And hundred percent, that's going to be a, a neighborhood or development soon. With the way stuff's going out that yeah. way, with all the Oxford Commons and all that stuff out there. Oh yeah, yeah, that is right there on the back door yeah. of where this is located. And you know, the Oxford Eagle had already reported uh, one meeting that the city had with a developer about that land before they even decided to shut down the complex of course of course of course well, and, and, i mean we demanded of them so much like when did you decide this and they just right. couldn't could never articulate when they decided that this would be the good plan for these people and for hey, our city just disgusting uh, bedwell yeah uh i was reading something did somebody uh, did a husband and wife a couple purchase those housing projects or am i dreaming that uh, not that. I mean, I don't I thought, think I was reading in Oxford. Uh, somebody, so a husband and wife had purchased one of those, one of the housing projects, and had you know they were just going to take over ownership of it. Maybe, maybe it's not the one behind Kroger. Not the only. That's the only housing project that was owned by the city outright. Oh, okay. Because the other one I'm thinking of is by that well, Chevron I, off of. No, this is this is the, yeah. This is a cool story, Wes. The Oxford couple buys homes in effort to be part of the solution to affordable housing dilemma. Yes, yes, that's mm-hmm. it. That's what I'm thinking of. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I was thinking about that for some reason. I guess it wasn't obviously those. Right. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So there's plenty. Of, there's well, there's not plenty. There are like two other housing, uh, low-income housing projects that are administered by um, the Oxford Housing Authority. But so this is where this what they got rid of was what they were the actual landlords of outright. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, okay. I see. Which I is see. such a beautiful, rare thing, and, usually. And Wes, what, it's it sounds like what they did was they bought homes that they then rented out to the people that Oxford had kicked out. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I think that is what. So mm. it's really nice of them, and hopefully you know, they're, they're going to pledge to keep the rent commensurate with the uh, the vouchers or whatever, right? But still, I mean, basically they're just landlords. You would hope. Yeah. I like where their heart's at. Yeah, yeah, sure. It was a good article to read. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. No, I think you know. I think people can make good money and really help people by being landlords that accept vouchers or run Section Eight properties and do it the right way. Well, I mean, really I think can. we need more nonprofit landlords. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, so another problem with um, so not only all these people have to move out all of a sudden, and they don't have money to pay for storage for their stuff or to pay for movers. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So then you have. Um, non and, and if they have to move out there. of the city of Oxford, they're going to be spending more to drive to work and all of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so there's a couple of groups. I forget the main one. I mean, United Way, Oxford, something like that, starts raising money uh-huh. to help them with moving costs. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, I mean, they do need that help with that, but it's like, why not put your power in just stopping this from closing? 
But of course, this draws me to one of Mayor Tannehill's beautiful tweets that is retweeting the fundraiser link and saying Oxford is a community that cares about its own. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And again, before her um you know, administration. Oxford cares about you unless you uh are We're a, stu- help are a you student get the fuck who's out only of our there town. for four years. Or you're a person who maybe wants to see diverse acts of the lyric that maybe uh, aren't pre-approved by the city. Or if you're someone that likes to go out to the bar and drink. Oxford cares so much about you. They're going to take your picture, uh, make sure your ID is kept in a database. They can check and see where you went each night at any time. Uh, I mean, that's a city that really cares, I'd say. That's... Yeah, maybe we'll give you some money to move out of town if you're real luck. <laughs> yeah, well, Here's well, a positive. Uh... Here's a positive about, about, about the police chief getting to pick the uh, acts. Mm-hmm. We have a really, probably some really good, allegedly probably some country blumpkins. So there's probably going to be a lot of floor Georgia line. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of Toby Keith, um, maybe maybe some Jason Aldean out there. It's going to be a lot of good music coming through town these days. I think. I, th- I think Oxford's best days are. Oh man, ahead yeah, of it. can't wait. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, but again, just the to excitement reiterate, is palpable. I, I don't care that much about what happens to the bars in Oxford. I think more than anything, it's a mistake on the part of the city. It's only going to end, not end badly. It's only going to make things worse when it comes to unsafe underage drinking, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if it's actually going to make anyone safer as far as you know gun violence. Like if someone, God forbid, was interested in hurting someone else on the square with a gun – it's not like this law is more about apprehending them later than about stopping that from happening, but call me crazy. Um, again, that doesn't really matter to me. The thing about closing affordable housing, obviously this is before Mayor Tannehill, so we're not trying to put it all on you, uh, Miss Mayor, but still, I mean, that's the kind of thing that's just just unforgivable, um, you know, especially if, say, you're uh, an old Miss student that knows anyone that could be affected by this. Of course, I think of... Um, our longtime fraternity cook, uh, Ms. Sharita, that that um, could could have been someone that was affected by this. You know, well, didn't have a a, a very well paying job. Um, you know, was only seasonally employed. Definitely, I don't think uh, you know was living in some house in the Grand Oaks or whatever that fancy neighborhood is where the mayor probably lives. Um, it's just ridiculous. If you're someone that knows anyone like that, uh, and even if you don't, I guarantee you they they serve you on campus every day in a variety of capacities um you just you you can't stand for for stuff like that it's just ridiculous um cities don't have any right to decide what income level gets to live there that's not how cities work uh it shouldn't work that way um and it's just like i said it harkens back to a much darker time uh in our in our civic environment you know the 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 50s and redline and all that kind of stuff it's just very sad to see in 2018 so uh do better oxford um maybe put people over profits every once in a while um and remember that everyone's a person not just uh the people that that vote for you that are 47 and uh you know i don't even i don't even know how to describe the people i'm talking about definitely watch a lot of fox news uh wear a lot of sperry's um I don't know, hanging out at the soccer complex or something. I don't, I don't know what Oxford dads do, but oh man, it's exhausting to talk about. Um, so do we, do we talk about Gunnar Hoagland? Yeah, we covered we did. that. We did talk about Gunnar Hoagland. We led with that, got it out of the way before we got <laughs> into all of this. Thankfully, um, I don't know, Bevo, you want to, you want to plug your podcast? Yeah. So if you, um, 
are really upset with me, please come patronize my podcast at, at Friday Rollin'. It's a uh, satirical weekend satirical. fun podcast. Sart- yeah, I've been sartorial. trying to push, you know, okay, we're not going to say it's satirical on our show, because okay. that would defeat, you know, then oh, you, then see. that's not satire, but... Wait, so what does it satirize? When, when people are listening to another podcast and uh-huh. probably want to try and sue me for libel, which, you know what, go for it. Um... <laughs> I want to at least put out that my other podcast is satirical. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but uh, hold on. I just have to figure out what is it, what is it satirizing? Oh, Kent. Oh, okay. Okay. So the podcast no, no. is a parody of your co-host. Of, yeah, life. his life. Yes. So it's kind of like a Joe Schmo situation, if you know what I'm talking about, where it was like a reality show where only one person was a real person and the rest were all actors. That's kind of what Friday Rolling is, where Kent thinks he's hosting a real podcast, but it's really it's all like a big work, is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so it's like the Truman Show. Yeah, like the Truman Show. Yeah, that's maybe a more understood reference. Yeah. So that's really good. Actually, yes. Please do listen to that now. Now that we know it has a, uh, and it's all scripted. I mean, all your parts are. You can tell when you listen. Like Kent's reacting in real time, but Bedwell's reading lines off a page. Like that's Then you should probably edit this out part, right? Because if Kent hears this, he doesn't listen to the show anymore. He he definitely does not. He he used to listen to this I'm pretty sure. Kent, if you hear this, uh I don't care. Talk about I don't care what you do. Do whatever. But I don't think he does. Uh he definitely (laughs) doesn't listen sixty minutes in, I don't think, to an episode. It's my opinion. Um, and hey, I don't fault anybody for not doing that. I don't. I'm not going to listen to this far into the podcast. I've listened to it at all. Maybe John will listen. He's not on the show this week. Uh, he's got to stay up on you know the canon and and what we've talked about. We gave him all those shout outs. We did. Yeah, you did. You did give him a few shout outs there. Uh, all right. Well, whatever. That was a good. Uh, that was a good uh, summer hour we put in there. Um, I thought we actually had some pretty good discussion of uh the stuff going on in auction right now. So we would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, tweet at us at Sharks AFTR Dark unless you're like one of Mayor Tannehill's goon squad that replies to all her tweets about how she's doing great. Uh, in which case, you still can. I just, you know, I don't really like you. I don't, I don't feel any. We must, to to you. we must keep Mayberry, Mayberry. Damn it. Yeah, that's very important. Um, I'm not going to take any shots at any um, disgraced former litigators that may be. Uh, I I got mine in earlier. You did. That maybe support the mayor Bookley on Twitter. I mean, I think they have bigger problems. Uh, yeah. So there's that. Um, Weston, you got anything you wanna uh, you wanna plug before we uh, sign off here? Uh, yes. If the listeners have noticed, there's been a crunching sound. Um, it's me eating uh, Mississippi made garden fresh tomatoes mm. um, throughout the podcast with uh, some mozzarella, a little bit of basil, and some balsamic vinegar, and some olive oil. So it's been uh, and some salt and pepper. Some salt and pepper. So it's been a good. Uh, also, don't vote for Tate Reeves in the upcoming election. Vote for Jim Hood. Because... Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about the MDOT thing. Uh, definitely read oh the Clarion Ledger's piece about uh, about Reeves' way and all of that. Lots of juicy uh, drama going on down here in, uh, in the metro. Um, yeah, that's just some, some classic Mississippi inside job right there. Um, I'm sure John is, is yelling inside job right now at his laptop. Uh, it's, uh, it's a good one. It's a great story about how <laughs> Lieutenant Governor – uh, tried to get a one-way street built from his neighborhood into a luxury shopping center. Uh, ended up settling for a two-way street instead. It's just, it's very funny. Um, look into that for sure. Uh, yes, my father had dealt 
my, you know, my dad worked for MDOT for a right. long time, and he had to deal with the governor's office, like Phil Bryant's office, regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say, I, well, I won't go into detail here, but he would come home sometimes pretty frustrated. Yeah, so maybe maybe uh, <laughs> he called me crazy. Maybe uh, Lieutenant Governor Reeves allegedly isn't the uh, the first person to abuse no. his office to get some sort of a uh, a personal favor done by MDOT. I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say? Well, here, here's the thing with that too is that because the hill if he doesn't get what he wants he'll just go and blackball him dot and like cut their budget right of course yeah i mean it's yeah complete, so that's it's like they don't, have, they don't have a choice it's, it's really really shitty and you props know to, uh, sucks you should have voted for him yeah. that's all i got to say about props that. to dot for kind of standing up for themselves somewhat in this whole saga they've been adversarial uh towards reeves i'd say at least in their comments the clarion ledger and all of that so you know they, they they're not standing for it and that's a good thing um yeah so that's gonna do it guys thanks for listening to the show uh, small bit of housekeeping uh, here at the end of the show. Might mention it more prominently in the future, but uh, the sh- the show is now um, produced in association with uh, the website Armchair All Americans. Uh, you can check it out at armchairallamericans.com. Uh, there's an old Miss account that does coverage. We're uh, pretty early on in our relationship with the site still, but uh, it seemed like great guys. Uh, we're proud to be associated with them, and hopefully it's going to um, – help you uh as a listener have access to more content in the future maybe uh, more guests and uh maybe get a little more exposure for the show too and, and help us bring in some new uh some new listeners into the ranks so that's just a little bit of a uh, housekeeping like i said um yeah that's gonna be it uh you can follow the show on twitter all that stuff you can email us landsharksafterdark at gmail.com uh if you have any angry comments about uh the way we've mischaracterized the idyllic small town of Oxford, mississippi in this episode uh, but yeah, for now, um, for Will Bedwell, for Wes and Dean, I'm Woo-hoo. Justin Sanders. What Thank up, what so- up? <laughs> what up, what up? Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, it was a fun one. And uh, thanks to you guys for coming on. Really appreciate it filling in for John. Uh, we'll talk to you again Always next time. Always an honor. Always an honor. Yes. Thanks for that. All right, later, guys. <laughs> We'll be right